Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes here again today with Pat Abendroth. Hi, Mike, and hello, Pactum-verse. Yes. It is an honor. I almost said privilege, but we're not supposed to say that anymore. Yeah, we can't say that. But it is a privilege. Let's just do it. It is a privilege to be a part of your life, hopefully a part of your uh, edification. Uh, we're thankful to be here. This is episode 29. We're talking about pastoral priorities. But something that's not going to be on our list is the Carolina Reaper Chip Challenge. The Carolina Reaper Chip Challenge. It's hard, it's hard to say. I haven't. But today I was at the local grocer, I want to say, <laughs> the local grocery store. And, you know, my mind is kind of tweaked and messed up. And I thought, what can I buy at the store that we can do on the Pactum today? Uh, what can I introduce Mike Don't tell to? me you brought that. What can I bring for, for Mike <laughs> to make no. things interesting? But I... I refuse to spend that kind of money. I think it's like one chip for $5 or Holy something. Holy Toledo. And I just can't bring myself to do it. Um, too much hype. So Is that it, like the whole one chip challenge thing? It is that. Oh, yeah, if we did that, the episode's over. I can't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> there's big warning signs. My kids want to do it. and So anyway, I did not purchase them. I did buy flowers for my wife, though. So there I felt go. like a pretty good husband. That's good. I'm doing that. And... Uh, I actually did buy some Carolina Reaper peppers one time, uh, but I, I'm not very smart, but I am smart enough to put rubber gloves on, yeah. to de-seed de <laughs> them, de then we grilled them, then we dried them, then we chopped them up, and, and we did put it in chili. So Was it hot? It, was, <laughs> it is hot. <laughs> yeah. So it's like sweat on the, the, the brow hot, uh, yeah. without question. So. Yeah. That makes me think of Vanit. He would love that. He would. I, I I know. I sent pictures of them to Vanit. And, uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't bring any today. So, Mike, how are we going to get from Carolina Chip, One Chip Reaper Challenge? I know I'm not saying it right. Uh, I'm kind of out of touch. But how are we going to get from that to pastoral priorities? It kind of sounds like we're doing like youth ministry or something. Right, yeah. We're talking yes. about these yes. things. Yes, it's our youth group weekly challenge. And we know there are youth <laughs> pastors out there listening right now. And we want to encourage those pastors here on the Pacto. No, we're going to try to encourage pastors because we do love encouraging pastors because we love being encouraged. But we also want to encourage those of you who are part of the Pactum verse, who are not pastors, who can pray for pastors, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, who can encourage pastors for doing the right thing. Uh, because they do play an important role. They're not the most important people in the world, but they do have an important role as under-shepherds in Christ's church. And we thought it would be a good follow-up to episode 28, which was on the church. Yes, yeah. And so today we do want to talk about pastoral priorities. Uh, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. First and Second Timothy and Titus pretty much have it covered. Yes, they do, yeah. But... Uh, in addition, we want to maybe flesh out some of those distinctive, some of those important things, and be a blessing, hopefully. Well, Pat, as we're going to talk about pastoral priorities, let's start where we need to start, and that is the gospel of first importance. Let's start by talking about that. Yep, First Corinthians 15, it is of first importance. There are other important things, but if we can't get this right as pastors, what can we be entrusted with? Right. It really is vital and crucial. And I would encourage all listeners, pastors, or those who pray for pastors or who want to encourage pastors, I would encourage everyone to even just give, give this a try. Ask people you know what the gospel is mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. one sentence. It really is a helpful thing to do because it's so enlightening. Yeah, People fumble around, stumble around. They're not really sure. 
we need to be very clear and even lean uh, in being able to say the gospel is the good news about Jesus. Yeah. And I like to tell people with a smile on my face, if you can say that, you get a passing grade. Yep, yeah. So it is the good news, because that's what gospel means. It is the good news, and it is about not us. It's the good news about Jesus, who he is, what he has accomplished. We can fill it in from there. We can, we can elaborate. We can talk about the mechanics. I think pastors need to be able to talk about the mechanics, whether it's imputation or justification or regeneration, right. uh, resurrection, all of these related things that we need to be expert in as pastors to the point where Titus says to promote sound doctrine and even we know it so well we can we can refute those who contradict it. Right. But really, let's be super deliberate and obvious because lots of people who even say they're Christians, if you put them on the spot, they can't tell you what the gospel is. Yeah. So if we're going to be clear about one thing, let's be clear about this. Yes. Then I think as we move a little bit further and we start wanting to elaborate, it's also critical as pastors that we know things like this, the gospel is for unbelievers, right? Romans one sixteen, but the gospel is also for believers, Mm -hmm. which sometimes is puzzling, baffling to the mind, especially when we're not coming out of a good, robust, redemptive, historical kind of training and background that Reformed theology affords. Mm. We're, We're... puzzled when we're reading Romans one and Paul wants to preach the gospel to saints, the saints. Yep. Why in the world would he want to do that? Right. And then you keep reading in Romans one and it's for their spiritual growth. Yeah. You look at Romans 16 to strengthen them according to his gospel. And now all of a sudden we're growing spiritually as those who are justified because we're learning more about God and his greatness and we're learning about Christ and what he's done for us and how that influences not only our justification, but our sanctification. Now we're growing. Romans is is a gospel book and we see it in the bookends of Romans. Mm -hmm. And that, that is not something I've always known or always believed. And so we want to encourage both pastors and non-pastors with that great reality. And then let's get good at it. Let's get good at, yes, evangelizing the lost and explaining the, go- explaining the gospel and proclaiming it, but also evangelizing the found right? Yep. <laughs> to help them to understand guilt, grace, and gratitude right. yeah. and Romans 12 and obedience that comes because we are justified right. yep. and we're safe and secure. So if we're going to know anything, we'd better know the gospel and we'd better get good at knowing it expert at knowing it and explaining it. If there's anything we need to be good at, it would be that very thing. Yeah. Can't stress it enough. Uh, please, please, please pray for pastors that they would be clear about these things, that they would be able to preach the gospel from Genesis to Revelation mm. uh, appropriately in light of biblical theology, in light of the unfolding drama of redemption. Uh, there are contours, uh, there are peaks and valleys, but there is one perfect plan of redemption. It focuses on Christ, it's unfolding throughout redemptive history, and pastors of all people, need to be able to to be good at doing this very thing. Yeah. So as we're talking about the gospel, I think it's only appropriate now to talk about the law, uh, as we've talked about law and gospel distinctions in previous episodes. I don't remember what episode that is. Episode... Is it episode two? I, I can't remember. We should or... know, because it's actually an important episode. Yeah. It might be three. I don't know. We... 
Okay, it is episode two. So you were right. Well done. I'm going to print <laughs> off a cheat sheet and hang it right I th- here. Every I think week. we need one for <laughs> sure. We need a lot of help along the way. But as we've talked about law and gospel distinctions on episode two, you can check that episode out. Uh, maybe talk now about as we are encouraging pastors to be proclaiming Christ, to know the gospel, to be about the gospel. Uh, what about pastors as it relates to law? Maybe we should start by saying you need to know, as you need to know what the gospel is, you need to know what the law is, which in summary is what God requires. Mm. So it's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament, it's, I like to say, trans-testamental, because it sounds cool. Yeah. So it might not even be correct, but I like to say it. it sounds so, very cool. Uh-huh. So we need to preach the law, and we need to preach the law, let's say, as law. Hmm. And Romans 10 is a really good point of reference here because the problem in Judaism at the time of the Apostle Paul's writing uh, is they made what I'm going to call law light. Hmm. And now law light is somehow accomplishable instead of God's strict, absolute requirement of perfection, loving God, loving neighbor perfectly, perpetually, personally. Mm -hmm. Um, Somehow it was scalable, as in a wall is scalable. And we can do it maybe with God's help. Uh, And that's simply not the way the Bible portrays law. So as pastors, let's let's let law be law. Mm Mm-hmm. And every man be found a liar, mm-hmm. if necessary. <laughs> Let, let's have the law have its teeth, have its robustness, so people are then uh, at the point of saying, I can't do that. Yeah, And they can look outside of themselves to look to Christ. There's something in me, and perhaps I've said this before here, I'm not sure, but would just like to just only preach law one Sunday. Yeah, you may and, have mentioned that before, but yeah, that would be And just a... drop the mic and walk out. <laughs> now, I don't think that's what pastors are supposed to do. Yeah. I don't think that would be a legitimate Christian worship service. Right. But there's something in me that wants to do it because it should devastate us yeah. to preach the law uh, in that sense, yeah. because it shows us our need for Christ. It shows us our uh, state of condemnation in Adam. But at the same time, then we do want to preach the gospel to look to Christ who meets our obligation. And then, 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 as you are anticipating uh, what we call the third use of the law, it right. is there to guide us. Right. Christians are called to obey as Christians, no longer under condemnation, uh, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, but now we are called to live in that light. We're called to live in an, in an Ephesians 2.10 sort of sense, right. or yeah. a Romans chapter 6 sort of sense. And so we want to be good at that, but let's just be clear when we're preaching third use, again, we we send you back to episode two if you don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mike, it is episode two, uh, not three. It is. I, it was my best guess. <laughs> so, but let's be clear that we're not being confusing about are we preaching the law in the third sense, uh, third use of the law, or in the first use of the law. Right. Let's be clear so that people can understand right. uh, the, the difference. Are we wanting to obey out of gratitude uh, because that's how it is if we're in Christ? So law, let's preach law, let's preach gospel. Both are important, both are vital. The the gospel would never make sense if it weren't for the law. Hmm. Pat, if you're honest, is is that a hard thing to do, to preach the law as law? I actually think it is in in a certain sense. It's it's challenging, even even in doing scripture reading. So we read through the Psalms. And you've, you've got to be on your, on your toes. You yes. have to be paying attention if you want to sound like a Christian. Yeah. And we are Christians. Yeah. So just reading through the Psalms, we just read through, uh, we were in Psalm 5 and David talking about do, obeying and doing the right yes. thing. Yep. 
But if you look carefully and Christianly, you can see that it is it is because of the steadfast love of God. Yes, yeah. And so there is, it's because of God and his grace and mercy that we can then seek to obey and do what's right. But I do think it's a bit of an art form, if you will, and, and you have to work at being able to read the Bible Christianly. So I, I'll admit that it is a challenge to do this very thing, but it's what we're called to do. People are not going to understand the gospel ever if they don't understand what God requires. Yeah. And they're not going to understand Christian living in an appropriate Christian sense if they don't understand that the obligation for justification has been met. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So pastors, if you're struggling with this, or even Christians, as you're just reading your Bible and trying to make sense of it as you do so, uh, Welcome to the party. Uh, it doesn't mean it's easy to do, but right. it really is important to do. Going back to that great Spurgeon quote, it, it makes us master theologians if we can understand the difference between law and gospel. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's a simple thing to do. It's just really important. Yeah. And again, pastors of all people need to have this figured out. And if we don't have it figured out, yeah. it's no wonder that the people that we seek to shepherd as under shepherds will be able to figure it out. So episode two commended to you uh, as a bit of a review. If you need a little bit of a refresher. Yeah, that's good. Pat, as we're talking about these pastoral priorities, you know, we know that not everyone's going to be on board with some of these things we're talking about. Uh, and let's let's talk a little bit about having some convictions as a pastor. Yeah, that's actually going to be really important because some people are going to be thrilled about hearing about Christ and what he's done and how he's mm -hmm. fulfilled the obligations and the good news of salvation in Christ. It's going to be awesome and people are going to be refreshed and responsive, but there are going to be those who are going to be critical because that's just how it goes. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the party. Once again, yeah. you know, read about the suffering because of the gospel in second Timothy. So convictions become vital. We've, we don't need to have convictions about everything. Sure. Uh, we've all met that person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Who seem to have strong convictions about absolutely everything. So let, let's not do that. But we'd better uh, develop. I even think we should talk about developing convictions. So, okay, first importance. Well, okay, then I better go deep there. And I better have strong convictions on things related to the gospel, whether it be imputation, justification, glorification, sanctification, regeneration. Mm. Those are the kind of things I really, really want to own. And I want my leadership team, if we can say that, fellow elders, fellow leaders, to have strong, strong convictions about those things that are the most important so that we don't compromise. Mm. Uh, let's, let's have steep convictions. Let's believe certain things at the very core of our being so that we won't budge, so that we won't fudge, so that mm -hmm. we won't mudge I, I don't i don't know so we, we just simply will dig our heels in over that which is of first importance and i don't think these are days of strong convictions about the right thing sometimes mm. and so let's have strong convictions about the right things and let the other things go uh, i once had a professor tell me someone who I esteemed very highly uh, said something along the lines of your students, and this is a professor, we're different as pastors, but your students will maybe remember 10% of what you teach them. Hmm. And so maybe 90% of the time, <laughs> let's focus on the top 10% of things we need to focus on. Sure. Yeah. I'm not sure that's logical. I, that, probably not. But okay. It sounds but, good. Right. So let's make sure we have convictions about the most important things, stressing those most important things. And Lord willing, the Lord will use that in the lives of those who hear us so that they can know about what's of first importance 
have convictions about those very things uh, so that we might be strong, so that we might be courageous, uh, so that we might be used of the Lord to pass the baton on to the next generation and the next generation uh, because some things are of first importance. Hmm. So, Pat, if we have someone who doesn't have strong convictions, uh, what happens when you don't have any convictions about these things? I think we've met the, we've met the person who has strong convictions about everything, right. but we probably have also met even pastors who don't seem to have strong convictions about anything. Yeah. And it's just a disaster. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's sad. When you read the pastoral epistles, there's no question the Apostle Paul has black coffee convictions. <laughs> okay? Even if black coffee never graced his, his lips, his apostolic lips. <laughs> but he has strong convictions about Christ, and he's calling, urging Timothy and Titus to have like convictions about mm. such things. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's going to happen is whatever is popular is going to win the day, or the church is going to have an identity crisis. It's going to be one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Instead of, for example, uh, here's, here's a real-life example. Uh, we want to be what we call ordinary means Christians. Mm. So we, we want to have the preaching of the Word of God, the right administration of the sacraments. Uh, there are some other basic things. But as, as a church and church ministry, it's very lean. Mm. It's very focused. It's very, on, it's very purposeful. And so therefore we say no to lots of other things because there are lots of other good things to be done, but we're not called to do those things as pastors. We're not called to do those things as local congregations. And so we're going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of Jabez (laughs) or, or velvet Elvis or whatever else the next big thing is. What was Jesus calling? Yes. And it just goes on and on and on. Whereas Strong convictions about the most important things, ordinary means, laser-focused, and we're going to be healthy that way. We're going to bless people that way. We may not always be popular that way, sure. but we're, go- we're going to stick to the, to the script, so to speak. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we ignore questions we may receive about those things or we say, ah, that, uh, that doesn't matter. And just, you know. True. Dismiss true. people. Yep. No, we, we don't have that kind of attitude. But I do love being asked about different things and being able to say, I have no idea. And sometimes you get the, the baffled, puzzled look. and um, Or here's my opinion about that particular matter. Here's where I am on that. Um, but, but I wouldn't die on that hill. Sure, yeah. And so it is nice to not have to be a fundamentalist to consider everything A-level doctrine. Right, yeah. Um, even though everything in the Bible is important, uh, it's not all equally important. So let's have convictions. Let's not be Casper Milk Toast. I don't even know where that comes what? from. Can we say that? <laughs> I don't even know. You've never heard I've that? I've never heard that. It just means weak. Um, I don't know what, where it actually comes from, but Casper Milk Toast. Casper Milk Toast. Uh-huh. Maybe that could go on some merch as there well. There you go. <laughs> uh, we're not Casper Milk Toast Christians. Some, <laughs> so some of the Pactum verse, they're going to email us and tell us what that is. So please enlighten us uh, here at the Pactum what Casper Milk Toast is. I don't think it's Casper the Friendly Ghost. Yeah, I doubt it. I don't think so. doesn't sound like it. <laughs> well, you mentioned just a minute ago, Pat, uh, being able to say, I don't know. Yes. About something. Uh-huh. Um, maybe... There's a lot of things on that on that list for, for me. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I don't know a lot of things, too. Um, but if we don't know some things, uh, it makes me think about another pastoral priority, 
um, and that is of being humble, having humility. Well, let me tell you how I've reached a state of humility. <laughs> <laughs> Enlighten me. <laughs> right? So when did you become humble is always the good question. So I, this is a hard one to kind of get our mind around and, and to, to consider, I think. Uh, humility is a fruit of the Spirit. God is going to get the glory when mm. we actually have hum- humility and show humility. But... We, we've all been wrong on things, and so pastors hopefully can say, yeah, I used to believe that. I used to teach that. Mm-hmm. I don't anymore. I was wrong, yeah. and that's good to admit. Uh, I think anyone who says, I've not changed anything before yeah. uh, other than Jesus probably isn't that humble. I'm not right. sure, but we are frail. We are not Jesus. We are not all-knowing. We're not omniscient. We're going to be wrong on things. And so a good dose of humility with pastors actually is really important. Hmm. Mike, I don't know about you, but I I can't imagine any of our listeners uh, disagreeing with the fact that people should be humble. Mm -hmm. Uh, We would all agree it's a Christian virtue. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But at the same time, maybe it actually is something hard for us to think about in our own lives. Um, Let's flesh it out a little bit when it comes to preaching. Preaching is speaking with a voice of authority. Yes. You are saying, in effect, thus saith the Lord. Right. And that doesn't sound very humble. Right. At the same time, if we are making mere suggestions where God speaks with absolute authority in his word, is that humble? No. It's not humble. It's arrogant. Yeah. So this is a bit of a uh, countercultural kind of thing. Right. When God is clear in his word, we want to be clear and even bold in his word. And that actually is humble, Mm. whereas it might be perceived as prideful. Sure. Yeah. Well, and humble because it's not you, the one who's making this up. It's not your personal opinion or your personal view that you're pushing on people, uh, but it's God's word, and you're simply pointing to it, and it's the ultimate authority. You're not saying, "Hey, I'm the authority here. Listen to what I have to say." We're saying, "Here's what God has to say about that, these." That's things. actually a good, that's a really good way to put it and to think about it, Mike. I find it fascinating that pastoral ministry for some help built into pastoral ministry, church life, uh, as a way of keeping people humble, hmm. um, because it's pretty hard to think you are the man yeah. um, in the life of the <laughs> local church uh, in any real sense. Although the other side of it is, at times, uh, it does seem to promote pride and arrogance. And so I suppose we should be praying about this and praying that God would uh, help us to see ourselves for who we are. And to not be um, boastful or prideful just because we're learning things, because we are growing spiritually, uh, but we need to be humble under the mighty hand of our Lord. Uh, maybe, here's a pet peeve of mine, uh, mm. maybe start by don't calling yourself doctor. <laughs> 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 oh, that, it, I don't even know where to begin. Do you so, have a doctorate, Pat? I have a demon, and I think demons should be exercised. <laughs> So I have a doctorate of ministry, so I think that's a that's a chump doctorate. Now, I'm super grateful for my experience, super grateful for professors right, yeah. and all that I learned. But really, are, are you really going to uh, call the church and, and get the voicemail machine that says, if you'd like to speak to Dr. Abendroth, <laughs> press, um, I'm not here to give you any um, medical advice yeah, right. or anything like that. 
I'm not really sure what else to say about this. If someone wants to refer to me because they're trying to show honor, which is fine and good, uh, and they said Dr. Abendroth, I wouldn't criticize them for it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but if I ever refer to myself as Dr. Abendroth <laughs> or ever ask someone else to refer to me as that, I, I mean, I just think, come on, guys. We're, right. we're under shepherds. We're pastors right. in Christ church. Yeah. Get over yourself. Yeah. And if I just rebuked you, we, we want this episode to encourage pastors. <laughs> yeah. um, but if the shoe fits, wear it. Yeah. Um, Unless your last name is Machen and you're the good doctor. So okay, we that, can go that, with that. Now, now that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I have to say, I do want to show honor where honor is due. Yeah. But when we have a guest speaker, even if they're a very well-known and they don't have a D-min, they actually have a THD or a PhD, I usually try to go out of my way to refer to them as, by their first name um, just because I I just can't quite do it. I yeah. just, we're all one in Christ, equally saved if we are saved. And so let's, let's be cautious and thoughtful about this one, uh, lest the Lord need to humble us. And we don't really want the Lord uh, to humble us more than is necessary. Yeah. Mike, have we said too much about that? Are we going to get hate mail for that? I don't think so. It might, it, it's it's going to be a close call, but it'll humble us if we do, right? <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Speaking of hate mail, we do want to thank you for listening to the Pactum and being a part of the Pactum verse. Uh, you can follow us online on Twitter at the Pactum or on Instagram at the Pactum Theology. You can be in touch with us in both of those places. And you can also email us, connect at thepactum.org. We do get your emails, uh, and we're collecting more of those emails with questions for future Pactum Responsum episodes. So if you're just joining us and just joining the Pactumverse, please know that we invite your questions, and every so often we do a Pactum Responsum episode in which we go over some of those questions. I've had some people get in touch and say, hey, you haven't talked about my question. We're still collecting them, and we'll get to them hopefully at some point. So keep sending us those we're so thankful you're part of the Pactum verse, and we're glad you're listening. Pat, let's get back to our episode here as we're talking about pastoral priorities, and maybe we could talk for a minute about improving as a pastor. I suppose this is a little bit of the elephant in the room because mm -hmm. we want to be a brand new pastor or we want to have a brand new pastor and have them be perfect in all pastoral right. abilities. I do really appreciate the fact that First Timothy chapter 4 verse 15 uh, says, practice these things. And if you read the context before, these, these are gospel things, gospel ministry sorts of things. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them. So Paul to Timothy, so that all may see your progress. Mm, yeah. So I really am heartened by that. There, there should be pastoral progress. There should be change. There should be improvement. We're not moving past the gospel, but we should get better at gospel ministry. Mm, yeah. And that, that puts pressure on me as a pastor because I, I want to be progressing mm. uh, to the point where other people can see things getting better. But it also sort of lifts the burden off of us because there's room for growth. Yeah. So let's keep growing. Let's keep progressing. And day one, we didn't have it all figured out. Right. Yeah. Now, we don't want to do spiritual malpractice day one and yeah. say, well, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, this is on, on the job training. <laughs> yeah. But let's keep in mind, as good servants of Christ Jesus, as he talks about in verse 6, uh, being trained on the words of the faith, the gospel faith, and the good doctrine, the good gospel doctrine that we followed. Well, even in those things, uh, there's, there's room for progress. There's room for growth. 
And so it really is important and encouraging. So let's keep that in mind. And if you're not a pastor, keep that in mind uh, as something you can pray for uh, in the life of your pastor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not in a hopefully condescending or negative mm-hmm. way. Oh, <laughs> Lord, please help him. Help him out. <laughs> but I have heard that before in a church service. Help him, Jesus. Help him, Jesus. <laughs> so we don't mean in that sense. But to, to earnestly be praying for your pastor that he would be progressing uh, in these things, yeah. in these gospel things. Uh, and maybe if we prayed as much as much as we criticized, uh, if not more, hopefully, hmm. uh, things things would go better. Well, Pat, as we're talking about progress uh, in the pastor, and uh, they're learning and continuing to grow, and there's uh, some things that they may not know about, and they're learning and progressing over the years, uh, it makes me think even about training uh, and training others as pastors, uh, as as those leading in the local church. Uh, it reminds me of Second Timothy, where we're called uh, to entrust these things, it says, to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Ah, uh, so- I would submit to our Pactum verse listeners that these things, no doubt in the greater context, would be gospel things, right. grace of God things. So sorry, yeah. I interrupted you. Well, no, it's good. And so as we're learning and as we're growing as pastors, we're to be teaching these things to others and training them. Uh, you think about, we're not going to be in this role forever. Uh, there's a, another generation that's going to come after us. And I've thought about this often, even in our local church. You think about here we are leading, serving as pastors and leaders and elders. We're only going to be here for so long. Uh, are we wasting our time and not training the next generation of those who would be leading in the same way? And so it's an important priority of the pastor as they're growing, as they're learning, and as uh, they're diving deeper into theology and doctrine to not forget that we are also called to train up men uh, to lead and for ministry leaders to be trained and equipped so that they can then carry the torch uh, for the next generation leading in the church. This is something I love. It's exciting. It's fun to watch and observe people growing. Not everyone's cut out for it. Not every, not everyone is gifted for it. But to actually be watching it happen, to, to invest in the lives of other people yeah. who are leaders and who are leading and they're improving and they're seeing fruitfulness from their ministries, it's one of my very favorite things in life when it comes to life in the local church. I love it when we send men to seminary to be further trained. Uh, I love it when we bring them to certain training events, yeah. conferences, yeah. things like that. I love the fact that we have classes where people can uh, go deep in learning profound theological realities. Uh, it really is a, a great joy. And so therefore, I'm hopeful for the next generation. Uh, I do think it's good for us to step back and say, okay, what are we deliberately doing for the next generation mm, and maybe yeah. for the next one? I know we could do a better job, but I at least like it that it's it's on the horizon. We're looking forward to it. We're not saying, well, I'm the only one who can know things. Mm, yeah. uh, it's it's mini- doing ministry not out of a sense of fear or insecurity, it's let's entrust these things to others Mm -hmm. so they can be also equipped like us so they can do these very things, perhaps even better. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite the thrill. It's quite the point of encouragement. And I hope it just happens more and more uh, in the life of the local church where, where the two of us serve, uh, but that it happens around the world. Yeah. Well, Pat, as we're wrapping up this episode on pastoral priorities and encouraging pastors, 
What are maybe some non-priorities? L- leave it to Mike. He's negative Nora over there. He's sitting. He's got a black shirt on today. It's a hot guy shirt. Some Come kind on, of man. Morrissey thing. I wear black on the outside because black is how I feel on the inside. <laughs> no, that's not Van Morrison. It's Morrissey. But let's not talk about the Pope of Mope, uh, Mike. Um, pre- non-priorities. Pre- oh, okay. Non-priorities. Ending on a negative, um, which I think is fitting to do. And then maybe we'll say something positive. We can. Yeah. So... If we just want to go ever so quickly, some non-priorities, but I'm going to go for potential offense here. Let's stop stop and question the things that we do that we're told we're supposed to do to be a faithful pastor, uh, especially in light of thinking about ordinary means ministry. Mm. So why why are home visits so important? Why is it that I need to make a priority to go to every congregant's home and do what Richard Baxter says I must do to be a reformed pastor? Mm. Well, um, Richard Baxter believed that somehow your final justification is going to be based upon your works. And so, folks, I'm going to be living in your living room uh, if it means I'm going to get you to heaven based upon something you do. Yeah. Hands-on management. Big time micromanagement. So I, I think we should question the status quo, uh, if need be, when it comes to some of these things we do. Please don't get me wrong. I I, I enjoy uh, spending time with people. Uh, sometimes it's necessary to, to even be in someone's kitchen, uh, so to speak. But pastoral priorities, um, I, I would question that. Uh, Pat, now that you've offended a bunch of people, uh, how important is how hey, important is counseling? Oh, I think. It, Counseling is important, um, but I do want to talk about and consider what kind of counseling we're talking about. Mm. And if I'm just going to be the referee for a husband and a wife to fight or something like that, I'm out. Mm. And I would refer our listeners to the Counseling with Chris installment one episode. We probably need to rethink the whole counseling model that we perhaps have signed up for um, because it ends up being sub-biblical. So I'm just going to kind of leave that there. Mm -hmm. But I just met with someone the other day who I think I was actually able to help as a friend and as his pastor. But I told him, I said, you know what? I I, I have a bad track record uh, Mm. of changing people's lives. I'm not the Holy Spirit. It's not going to do any good if your heart doesn't want to change. I'm not going to be able to hold you accountable to change. Mm. Thankfully, he knew what I meant, and he heard me in the best light. But oftentimes people are just looking for someone else to blame. Mm. So, okay, what does the Bible say about the problem? Uh, What kind of practical things can we perhaps do to help? And now let's move on to ordinary means, ordinary means ministry. Yeah. So it's one thing to talk about soul care, which is tied to local church ministry, ordinary means ministry, but to have a life coach um, or to have someone who is going to be your personal Holy Spirit, which I think is what a lot of counseling is. uh, I'm over it. Yeah, uh, I'm over it, and I don't mean to be insensitive. Uh, one another's are really important, um, but I can't change anybody's life. Only God can do that through the power of the Spirit in the life of the local church. And so let's have that be a non-priority, please. Yeah, yeah. So I'll bounce it to you, Mike. How many committees do you think pastors need to be a part of in the local church? At least one to three meetings per week. 
for two hours each. According to Third Nephi, not in the Bible, <laughs> chapter three. Goose egg, uh, zero. It, these are odd biblical things. We're not saying you should be passive or not involved, but really, let's stop and think about some of these things, uh, or or let's talk about climbing the ladder of being famous and being a Christian celebrity. That would be an, another non-priority. Right, yeah. I think I remember hearing one famous Christian, who I won't mention because he doesn't really want to be known as a famous Christian, <laughs> yeah. but he talked about offending people frequently and often, or, or I can't remember how he said it, but it it was rather provocative, a pretty well-known author who's known for offending people, yeah. but not, I think, because he's trying to be offensive, but because he's questioning Christian celebrity, yeah. and he's calling people out for being money makers in their parachurch ministries, uh, and is really taking heat for it, but he said, you know what? There's something about it that's healthy and good because he's afraid of becoming like them and lining his pockets mm. with the fame and fortune that's never really intended to be for pastors. Sure. And if our Pactum verse listeners want to know who I'm talking about, if you send in a very big donation <laughs> to the Pat Vacation in the Bahamas Fund, I'll release the name of the person that I'm talking about. No, I joke. I kid about that. But. In actuality, let's think about what we're, why we have the relationships we're having, why we are doing the extra biblical things we're doing, the above and beyond ordinary means ministries things we're doing. How about even the pactum? Yeah. Why, why are we doing this? What's the intent? Right. right. Um, I mean, we're already famous. Well, in our own right. Because I mean, we have several listeners. Several listeners every week. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, the the list could go on. We don't need to, to go crazy, but just think in terms of what you can say no to. Yeah. How about that? There are certain things you just need to say no to because you need to say yes to the most important things. Uh, you don't need to be Mr. CEO. I'm the big shot corporate man. You don't need to be um, on every committee. You don't need to be the coolest person around. You don't need to be functioning like you're the Holy Spirit. Good to step back and say, hey, wait a second. What does the Bible say I must do and be as a pastor by God's grace? Mm. And then pray that the church can see that that's what you must be. Maybe even preach on these things. Mm. So the church can then, then encourage you. The, the church can also, the local congregation, can help hold you accountable. Sure, Pastor, yeah. I want you to give me God's word. I want you to preach Christ to me. Why are you doing all of these other things? Mm. There, there can be something really good and healthy about that. In this local congregation, I'm thankful for uh, my fellow elders, hmm. fellow pastors who know how important these things are and can help me say no to certain things. Right. Uh, this is a one another function for us. Yep. Not all of the pastors who are listening have that kind of blessing, right. but hopefully you can promote a culture, a church setting and surrounding that will become that at least if it's not that now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, what else should we talk about before we wrap this up? Well, as we're wrapping things up today, we can just say that we are thankful for our Pactumverse pastor friends who uh, are maybe listening, and we trust that you're in, you've been encouraged in this episode, and even for those of you who are church members, that you've been encouraged in ways that you can be praying for your pastor. Indeed, let's be praying. These are great days for ministry, great days for ministry in the life of the local church around the world. Couldn't I couldn't be more encouraged, yeah. uh, even though there is a battle, even though there are hardships and there is suffering. What awesome days to be preaching the good news about salvation in Christ. Yeah. So we're thankful for each of you. Thank you for joining us. We trust you've been encouraged, and we'll see you next time on The Pactum. <laughs>